Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Don't Talk If You Don't Know, the unofficial official podcast dedicated to all things high-level teamfight tactics in North America. But today, we have a very special episode because DTIYDK goes global because we have Sherman from Riot Games joining us here to talk about the past, the present, and the future of TFT Esports. But first, let's go ahead and welcome everybody to the show properly. First, my co-host, as always... Bryce, esports law, bro. Bryce, welcome back to the states. Good to see you. It feels like we haven't really actually seen you much in uh, eight point five in Monsters Attack. So I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, it's really good to be back. You said as always, but I've been on an extended hiatus. We did sneak in uh, one one episode, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I haven't played this at, at all. It's my first time I've taken a break from TFT since set one. Uh, I wasn't able to cast uh, regionals this year because I um, because I didn't. Uh, I had this trip planned, and then I wasn't invited to cast Worlds. So it was like, okay, nice, take a break, and I'm I'm like itching to get back i am so ready for the pbe to come out it's going to be uh, a lot of fun i can't wait for set nine. Oh yeah that's right you look very properly toasted by the sun this man went outside everybody point <laughs> and so laugh. much grass it's hard to point touch more grass and laugh. on a golf trip <laughs> speaking of pointing and laughing we have one of the biggest comedians in tft we we oh, want to talk about the past present you? future of tft esports why not have one of the funniest well-spoken and most direct and honest players out there to represent the the player base we got milk welcome to the show man oh i just want to say first of all since you hyped me up dude the, when you intro i think you have so much charisma as a host i'm actually also, so like really surprised by like how good of a host you are Wait, how are you surprised at this point? He's you know, so for years. Every time, like, like literally, that was my first thought. When he was like, just like doing his yeah. Interview. No, it's it's uh. funny you say that because I think that all the time when we're in the middle of a podcast and he'll come up with like a really smooth transition or like oh. on, on on broadcast. I'm like, damn, he's fucking yeah. good. Man. He's really good. Mm. Is actually like the best <laughs> right, but yeah, I've, I've also been on break and I've also just been touching grass. But I'm also like really excited to come back to TFT and like start grinding set nine and ten again. Okay, well, hopefully, I'm glad to hear that, first of all, Milk, but hopefully Sherman also has been in the weeds of TFT and not taking a break. Sherman, welcome <laughs> to the show. You've been hard at work, but before we dive into, like, what you're doing and, you know, what, what's, what's to come, talk to us about, like, you know, who you are and your background and what you actually do for people who have never heard or seen you before. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, like, in the weeds, I actually just got back from China to see the TOC finals for uh, Set 8. Um, so also going through like not quite full jet lag. I've amazingly like screwed it off the, I slept through the night ever since I got, got back, but, um, been, been a whirlwind of TFT as we get ready for, for, uh, the set championship in a few weeks. Uh, but for, for, for those who don't know me, I'm Sherman. I've been at Riot for actually nine years now. Um, I started as an intern back in 2014, um, as a college community intern, um, and really helped build oh, wow. out uh, a lot of, of what we did in the college scene for League of Legends. So going from just students running sort of tournaments and events on campus to um, kind of managing our, our, our college championship and um, the way that athletic conferences or that universities were officially supporting League of Legends and trying to help kind of build a lot of the structure and support so that League could um, really have a strong foothold in the, uh, in the college uh, esports space. Um, and then I spent two years um, after that leading uh, marketing and publishing for the, the LCS. I really wanted to move over from college esports over to pro esports um, and found a, a really cool opportunity. Um, helped like work on the rebrand that the LCS went through a few years ago. Um, kind of some of the content, um, working some of the new content kind of vision that, that's really kind of come to fruition over the last couple of years. 
Um, but then uh, I took a role about a year ago now um, called uh, Global Head of Organized Play, uh, which is sort of like esports, but uh, for non-league and Val. And so it's like almost like more emerging esports. So I oversee Legends of Runeterra, Team Fight Tactics, and I'm also thinking about um, future games like uh, like Project L. Okay, so you got a lot on your plate. I like to hear that experience because it seems like you have a really strong on the ground view of esports from the very basic amateur level all the way to the professional level. And I feel like that's a really big part of TFT esports in general, which is the aspiration of pro. So many people talk about like, when's TFT gonna get their own like Valorant Masters or League LCS, but I feel like that, that path to pro, that aspirational dream is a really big part of TFT. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we talk a lot about the approachability of like competing in TFT. Not saying that like anybody could just even as like a silver player like coin flip their way to to winning a set championship, but it is a game that's like how many times in NA have we seen a player win a a, a cup or or even regionals that like this is our first time seeing a player. Um, and I think that that being able to to have that in TFT is a necessary superpower of the esport like it really needs to have room for players to really like sink the time in in a set and and kind of have that meteoric rise within uh within a short amount of time and so it's been really cool to like be able to like, take a lot of those learnings from sort of like the college the amateur um and, and junior side and and also apply that with like my my experience on the lcs team and um kind of help shepherd that and i'm also a big tft player like i was a, a big, oh, yeah? um auto chess player before tft came out was like really good friends with the team that went on to go build the first version of, of tft um when when tft the week it came out i uh i was sick i swear i was sick i sat at the pc and played 100 games uh <laughs> and just like i'm pretty sure that's why i was ended up being sick for like two weeks straight uh, <laughs> but i like did nothing but grind to diamond uh when the, when uh when the game first came out and so it was it was cool to actually jump into this as like someone with a lot of that experience at a variety of levels in esports but also as like someone who's sunk thousands of hours now into into playing tft nice one of one of us love it um so a lot of what you were talking about sherm is how you started to think about tft esports and a lot of what you described is kind of what makes it different than something like mm -hmm. val or or league when you're trying to think what it's more alike to does your brain go to esports or does it go outside of the esports world entirely like what are the analogs when you're kind of thinking about how you frame up your job and and kind of what tft competitive ought to look like yeah i mean i think that there's a there's a lot of good comparisons out there especially like in the strategy game like space like let's look at, at at magic the gathering and sort of the their whole ecosystem i think that there's a lot of um even the way that we're set up today there's a lot of um similarities in the way that we kind of like elevate players into events and then we use events to qualify players onto these next phases so there's there's sort of um having that sort of circuit system is is not dissimilar to to what i would say call like some esports adjacent spaces uh, even within the esports space, I think like fighting game community is probably like more similar um, to, to TFT than I would say um, like Valor or League. Um, just in the approachability, also the community, like the connection between the community. I think that um, the gap of like when you become a pro 
50 player and when you're just like a community member competes in events is like pretty narrow um almost hard to like dis distinguish and i think that that's pretty similar to the to the fighting game community as well interesting milk do you from your player experience do you feel like a lot of what sherman says makes sense to you from the participation aspect of it because you've been there since the beginning you're actually a set one og a lot of people come in from set two and onwards uh you've been there from the very beginning like the presenter aspect like like more people playing and like coming up okay so you know like what motivated a lot of people to grind hard this set and i think that's why a lot of like newer names came for up to regionals like a lot of players told me like that summit was like their drive because like they saw summit mm. like how fun it was and like a lot of a lot of like the like the mid challenger people told me that they were like going to try hard to set so like they could go to like stuff like that in the future i think i think summit was this perfect like example of what i i mean when i talk about like the community sense of uh, and like the connection to the community that exists within uh within tft i don't think like summit was definitely not this like mega high production event it was more about being able to bring players together to like celebrate an awesome time as like a community of high level players at the same time there was like this you know there was this big tournament at the center of like creating that sense mm -hmm. um and so i think that it's like um summit is a great example of some of the things that i think also helped distinguish us uh uh, and I think, like, the fact that it's a, a single-player game also enables you to have these cool events that, um, you know, it doesn't take hours to get through just two teams playing a best-of best series. And so, like, TFT enables you to have, like, these, like, different and fun formats. Great, great. So now, I think a lot of the conversation that we've had is establishing what TFT Esports is, what the current system is encouraging, and also some of the highlights, like Summit, but, you know, we're not here just to give you nice, easy fastballs down the middle, Sherm. So I'm going <laughs> to toss you a question, and then I'm going to ask Milk to respond to it and follow up, okay? So the question is, what do you think the current system is weak at, and what is it lacking, and what needs to be done moving forward, in your opinion? So, Sherm, you go first, and I want Milk to follow up afterwards. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak really from a global point of view on this, which is I do think that the current system lacks a lot of consistency in a way that's a weakness um, to the overall scene. And I say that when I look at how we're structured globally, every region has, there's not a single region that is a copy of another region. And I think that that's like, I think there is value in regional differences, but I also think that like in a, in a phase where TFT is still so immature as an esport it means that it's really hard to understand what's going on around the world so like something that seems like uh uh you know having one form even like something is like close to like from a language um, perspective like north america and europe have vastly different formats and like the the barrier to like communicate that to competitors or to players and fans is really hard especially with what i would consider are like limited publishing channels and marketing channels for TFT. I think that those are still pretty immature um, for both the game and the esport. And so I think that when I look at how different we are globally, I don't know that that's like the, the best thing. And so part of that means like we have to take from other regions what we think is working and like help kind of share a lot of learning. Uh, but I also think it means like how can we create some more consistency globally so that mm. like it's easier to onboard as a fan 
or like the work that we do as like a global esports team can trickle down more to the regions and give regions more more tools at their disposal to make it easier to onboard fans. I think the second is um, I do think that we don't do like um, we want to make competing in TFT far more approachable. Um, and I think that part of that is everything from like how many players can compete in different events. I think that that's like a factor of it. Um, I also think of like what are the different tools available for like online tournament organizers to run their own TFT events. Um, and also like for players to also have like things directly in game. Um, so I think that this is, uh, I think that all of those combined sort of like we're so different globally and like we want to head towards a direction that makes competing more approachable for players. Okay. Okay. So just to recap, it's really disconnected. There's a lot of regions doing their own things and it feels like there's no, there, there's no like common thread tying and the others is making it accessible for a bunch of people to want to participate. All right, Milk, what do you think about all, what are you saying? And then also I want to hear from you, what you think are some of the things that are weak in TFT sports? Oh, the things that are weak. Oh, okay. I, mean, I guess my current complaints, I would say, is like the first half of the set doesn't really matter, but that's getting fixed with uh, set 10 in the future. I guess like another thing is like there's only one international event per year, which is basically Worlds. That's like the only one that matters. It's two per year, right? It's one per set. One per set. Yeah. yeah. I guess like also like the fact of being like no lands currently, because I feel like most emotions are shown like when people like players have cameras on, like Soju shouldn't be able to be crying and just like turn off camera. Like you should be able to like see that and just like have more memories because yeah. just they're not being lands. Like I don't remember that much about like set five or set six for me personally, just because like it wasn't recorded. I kind of like regret that a little bit. So I guess like more lands. Also, you know, it's like more like things for like the organizers who have events. Like currently, you can't even do like double up custom mode either on the twenty realm or on the client. So I guess stuff like that yeah. is like pretty simple to do. And like, I actually hope there's more things for team formats because I think it's actually a really good format. Yeah. Mm, and what do, you, what do you think about what Sherm said, Milk, out of curiosity? Or actually, Sherm, go ahead. You can weigh in on that first. Go for it. No, yeah, I was going to say, I, I like totally, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, even just from like a, on a couple, uh, like a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, I do think LAN is sort of like a big piece that's missing. And just in general, a like, indication of like what the tft community looks like um around the world i don't think like that the story of tft is it was this awesome incredible game that came out out of nowhere in june 2019 yeah. and then like eight months later the world shut down and like if someone was to if i was to ask someone to send me a picture of more than 20 tft players in a room um i think people would struggle to find that image uh and i think that's like such a I think that makes the community even not feel as big and rich and vibrant as it actually is to not have that sort of like those moments that bring players together physically. Um, so I, I definitely agree on, on that front. And then as well, I think like trying to figure out how we can bring better tools to like, I don't think Riot needs to be able to organize everything. Like Tournament Realm great for Riot to be able to run Riot events uh, and customs, but like being able to think about like, I would love for customs to be enabled on live so that like, even right now, I know players are scrimming for, uh, 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 the, for, for world and they don't have, um, you know, because of the, the portals, uh, enabled on normal queue, yeah. it's like they, they don't have a good option. So 
I think it's like really trying <laughs> to solve, there's like a lot of gaps in technology that we need to help solve to really help like grow the scene overall. Uh, okay. And then kind of what Bryce was asking Milk, which is, uh, what do you think about what Sherman was just saying even before that in terms of like what he thinks is uh, lacking? Oh, uh, like, like the more accessible, the more people. I feel like TFT could have a thing like, you know, Clash for like a mm -hmm. built-in client, mm -hmm. something like that for TFT where they can like potentially like qualify into like an art tournament, I guess. Something like that. In-game yeah. tournaments. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're saying that like Clash results would qualify you into something. Is that what you're saying? Like an open bracket kind of format? Yeah, if you want to like include, include like everyone. That's, that's what I thought like you were saying. Or Champions Queue. People think, have suggested Champions Queue in the past. <laughs> I think like Champion. I mean, that's effectively what China's running today with the, yep. the TOC super server. Is, is, is it's a really shy, short, sh like a short two week period. But like, I think this set, they had 10,000 players competing in that, uh, oh, wow. that system. And, and actually like a majority of players in the final lobby uh for the TOC finals ended up coming from that super server so like it's it's not just like a cool thing for two weeks it's also doing a really great job at at providing high level players yeah mm. all right all right so we talked about some of our thoughts and maybe some of the things that are lacking is there any questions that we have directly for sherman in terms of maybe the overarching vision i guess i'll go first so sherman what do you think is the 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 ultimate goal for something like tft esports like what what what's what something that's really good because people look at viewership right they come to the main broadcast they're like man soju from north america gets more viewers or sean's from france gets more viewers right like why are we having this main broadcast and then they just start going and complain but like it isn't is, is that important to you guys is that is that what the actual deliverables and things that metrics that you guys are judging your success upon like what actually makes a successful tft esports scene so that way we're not like, oh my God, everything's going to fail because our numbers aren't going crazy with the six digits plus. Yeah, I think, I think what good looks like for TFT is like something that really helps celebrate the game and build up the game um, to its highest potential. And I do think like full candidness, I think one of the best success metrics for doing that is viewership. When Riot Esports Organization is best set up to capitalize on a product that has high viewership. I mean, that's like, we have a great sales and business development team and their ability to actually build something for, for TFT does require, um, you know, viewership for the game. Where that viewership comes from, I believe in this like very big multi-channel experience for TFT. I think like, you know, if you want to go watch through your favorite player's perspective, like let's make sure that that's available. If you want to watch through a co-streamer, that should also be available or a main broadcast. And I think, all of those kind of need each other in order to be successful as a whole. Um, and I think that we're definitely looking at like the, the full landscape for that. We do think that the, the pathway for growing that is actually more rooted in participation, giving players more individual connections to the scene that they're, that they're so, um, that they engage with by being a competitor themselves and being able to celebrate and understand like kind of what the, the TFT community is about. Um, and so I think a lot of our initiatives are really thinking about how to like really put that approachability into the scene um, and using that. And again, that's where like the fighting game community um, analogy comes in. I think like I've definitely heard things like like poker as a as a good analogy. And I'm not like the greatest 
uh, are the most read up on the poker community, but I do know that the fighting game community has like a bigger sense of camaraderie and like partnership and like raising up individual players. Um, and I think that that actually like does a really good job of summarizing like the, the, the direction that we, we want to go. And so uh, okay. I think we, we think that viewership is important. We think that like participation is actually the, the thing that's going to drive most people to want to engage. And we think that the game is approachable enough whether it's the fact that we're like able to run set champion, like we qualify, we're qualifying as right now. I think we just finished the, the Western LCQ. Uh, so a player just qualified and will compete in a set championship next week. Um, I think that's like unheard of in most, in most other esports, And so it's definitely something we still want to be able to, to lean into. Um, and then I think the, the last like aspirational piece that's like, is how can we better connect, um, what we do in esports to the actual like cyclical nature of of the game. So like uh, great example, right now we're getting ready to do our set championship. It's at the very end of the set. This is like potentially your favorite set you've ever played. And in just a few weeks, the set's going away. And like esports can help serve in this case as sort of like a send off to your favorite set and like celebrating the thing that you like have really come to enjoy for the last six months. It's also perfectly positioned to introduce you to your next favorite set. Um, and so oh, I think over time, we're trying okay. to figure out how to like better connect them. Not quite, we're not quite there yet, but it's definitely something where we're thinking about how do we celebrate um, the beginning and ends of sets more through esports. Okay. Okay. So yeah. just to summarize, so it's viewership, participation, and basically advertising. What you described is like it's, it's something that's like a really powerful vehicle to help celebrate the community, commemorate what's going on, also show you what's the next to come. Uh, Bryce, that sounds, I mean, pretty spot on with what everyone's expectations are. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think one thing fans often are disconnected from is like, what are the incentives of a publisher? You really have to think mm -hmm. about those incentives a, a lot more broadly than I think a lot of people tend to think about this stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and I think one of the things that's really cool about TFT is it is a lot different than your other games, and it's we don't there is no forged path for this. We have to kind of experiment a little bit and figure it out, and that's part of what yeah. made like the summit feel so special is that it was it was different, really different, and it was a first crack at a bunch of different things that were different. It was like a land that also had like a lot of for fun stuff involved. It was a tournament that was serious, but not too serious. It was the team's format. Like we're throwing a lot of different stuff at that event, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think a lot of it all really worked together and, and that's what made it feel so special and why I think to Milk's point earlier, it changed perspective of a lot of kind of casual or mid -ca or you know mid-core players i think is probably a more apt description of where they fall relative to some of the hardcores and that's to kind of tie it all together with some of the analogies you're using sherm so poker i think where poker really is a strong analogy relates to kind of the complexion of the player base almost you've got your hardcore mm -hmm. pros full-time everyone knows going into tournament these are the best players but you've got this huge group of people that play poker pretty seriously and there's enough yeah. variance in poker that if you kind of play really well in a given moment and have a little bit of variance go your way, it can actually, you can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best. You can win the World Series, yeah. you can win whatever, right? These marquee yeah. events. And that's that's kind of how TFT feels too. Like, obviously, if you run, if every TFT tournament were a thousand games on a patch that everyone yeah. had played for a week, like, yeah, okay, like, you know, guys like Dish Soap are probably going to dominate, right? Like, there's just too much. But you, you can't possibly run a TFT tournament that way. It's actually impossible to make the format even remotely compelling and increase the sample size enough where there's not going to be some material variance involved. And I think that's what makes 
like poker tournaments feel special. It's an anybody can win dynamic. And TFT, that's very, very similar. Uh, whereas fight yeah. and fighting game is like the community that we're talking about in terms of the community feel. Yeah. Fighting games are so skill expressive that like you go in and totally, like, totally. it's not just skill expressive, it's that there's a, a utter lack of variance to them that makes it so like yeah. you go in knowing like even if you're a good mid-core player, you have no yeah, shot. Body. <laughs> I guess the best, yeah. the best right? They're yeah. gonna they're gonna make you look real foolish. Um and so TFT yeah. is this beautiful hybrid of these two things, but that also means we don't know exactly the best way to tackle like increasing engagement for the game and viewership for the esports product and all this stuff. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I think it's, um, you know, I think on the, the, the incentives note, I think that's a, a really interesting one. I, I think that, like, for TFT, it's definitely not, like, uh, crystal clear on, or I don't think it's always very obvious the way that a publisher thinks about it. I think even, like, you mentioned marketing or advertising, and it's, like, for the most part, it's really, in that case, it's, like, we're trying to serve the fan base that's just really involved and, like, cares about the game. I think that's like the big thing. TFT Esports is not like a new player acquisition funnel. It is absolutely a like, hey, there's a massive player base around TFT. Create things that help celebrate and build moments and help celebrate community and build um, build up the scene. That has a ton of fantastic uh, benefits to the game. Um, and then it's funny too, you know, I mentioned I work on Project L. Like, the, the, as you said, the fact that this is such like a new type of game you know, there's so many sponsors who, who have reached out and are like, we really want in on Project L. And I'm like, that's a game that's not even out. No one knows what to do. <laughs> like, like, we're excited for it. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's well understood. Um, like, Riot's working on a fighting game. Um, you know, like, that's maybe something that we want to get involved in. Whereas, like, TFT, we are constantly building and rebuilding a, like, education slide of, like, what is TFT? How does it work? How does <laughs> esports for it function? And you have to really teach the market um, all those different pieces. Um, so it's it's definitely like a, a, a unique challenge in, in this game. I think it's worth noting really fast before we before Dan kind of shepherds us along to the next topic that you're what you were talking about in terms of the marketing value of TFT esports being primarily targeting the already highly engaged players. It does that for sure. And I think that's a huge part of all esports, in fact, actually, is that that's really the primary audience they're speaking to. It's really hard. Like Johnny even talked about it in his article about, you know, esports more generally and how they're thinking about that. But, you know, Riot experiment with like noob streams for League of Legends, it's just not that effective. There aren't that many people yeah. that really want to engage with it in that way. If you're at that status in your league journey, you're probably not going to be an esports fan. You're going to get there if you keep kind of moving up the rung. But the point I want to make actually to return to the poker analogy is the single, do you know, people, anyone here know the single greatest event in the history of poker from a marketing perspective? When Chris Moneymaker won. Exactly. When Chris Moneymaker won. Um. You guys aren't poker players, but you know that because it's a story that, that, hit the heart of like the competitive gaming community more broadly and it's like it was a huge turning point for poker where all these people who had played very casually at some point someone you know, the equivalent of someone who played tft 10 times right over the whole course of all of the sets and now all of a sudden some nobody makes an incredible run a miracle run and wins um, and it certainly helped that his name was Moneymaker, and yeah, that. Had <laughs> so, so it's a really interesting kind sure. of historical note for poker. We haven't had that moment in TFT, but it is a game that is capable of something like that happening for sure. And if it does, it'll be a really cool story to tell, and I think it'll have a profound impact on the game itself. Do you agree with that? I, I think we saw it. Ex uh, I oh, mean, go, I don't go, think that's a, that, uh, that's not possible for TFT because you have to be like somewhat competitive to like qualify to Worlds to win. Yeah, I mean, 
yes and no, right? Like, think about the people who qualified for the world championship from North America last set, right? Like, you know, Rain Plosion was, and Kyvix are two players that are not, they're both very good players, very good players. They are not full-time players. They're doing other things. Um, and they're trying to get prepared with a fraction amount of the amount of time that you guys commit when you're playing it full-time hardcore. Um, and these are things that, like, there's this there's this distinction with TFT between, like, the people who are full, full, full-time and people who are very good, might be a known name, will have popped off in tournaments, but, like, Rain Plosion in the lead-up to that, she was a complete unknown commodity, and all of a sudden she was competing on the world stage and doing it quite well at that, right? She was the best finisher for north america if she wins world's milk which is very within the role possibility that is actually like pushing in that direction it's not you know it's not like money baker had literally never played poker before he encouraged those people who had never played poker before to do it but these are people who've been playing poker for decades mm. right and, and just happen to get their shot yeah my opinion on that is like i don't think it matters that like it won't have that much of an impact on tft like on who wins in my opinion, on like, like for like game growth. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think game growth is, but like, I think like uh, community engagement, like I think Soju is a great example of, of this, like the, the amount of excitement from a broader TFT community when they saw Soju make, make world class set, I think was an example of like the power that like an individual player who can, can bring to like the, the storyline of the game. Um, you know, I think North America would have had a, a big moment if, if Soju had won. Um, yeah. And I think, like, that's something that I don't know many players around the world that could replicate that same sort of excitement and, and story for their region. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm going to just close it here because I feel like we can continue to kind of talk about what we, what we want, what analogies I think TFT Esports can ultimately uh, be likened to. But I want to focus on the future, right? Because we talked a lot about some of the past and the current present. Let's talk about the future of TFT Esports, which is ultimately what we have Sherman here to do. Not just talk about all of our, our grievances and our problems and things that we want. So what is in the books? I'm just going to ask you straight point blank. What's in the books for the future of TFT Esports, Sherm? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, I, I, we've talked about this a little bit, but at a high level, our approach is definitely evolving to, to figure out how we can grow the participation angles and the, the, the ways that players can get involved in, in the scene. Um, and so I think that, that that can take a variety of approaches from like more grassroots events to like restructuring regional events to be more inclusive, to, to even taking direction. Uh, like Nope brought up earlier, where like, what does in-game tournaments look like and how can that connect to the broader scene? I think all of those are on the table in the direction that we're, we're, we're heading. And, you know, nothing is going to like happen or magically change overnight. Um, but I think that uh, as you, in a couple of years, as you're looking back at a lot of the decisions we're going to make for TFT Esports, you're going to see a lot of that trend uh, come through. Um, and so I think the, um, you know, I think... That's why we're, we're excited to, to be unveiling a new type of event um, this December. Uh, Froden, I don't know if you want me to jump straight into it, to what that is going to be. I mean, unless you want to... So, I mean, we, I feel like we're dancing around it, so we might as well just Let's go straight into it. it. Let's do it, man. Let's just jump know. into it. So what's the big announcement, Sherm? All right. So this December, uh, 8th through 10th, we're going to host our first global LAN event for TFT. 
Ooh. It's going to be at the very beginning of set 10. In fact, only three weeks into the new set. Oh. Um, and it is going to feature 512 players um, competing what? in Vegas over three days. Wait, oh you're going to fly 512 people to Vegas? A World Series of TFT is actually happening. Oh what my the heck? God. It's like, it's only, is it, okay, okay, okay I have do? so many questions. I have oh, so many yeah, questions. Oh all right, all right. God. First, first all question. Right, is that is it's open for everybody to participate is it like open sign up so we will be doing like open registration for this event um so we'll be selling competitor passes for players to be able to compete um Heck. we will do like we're, we're working on the mechanics right now for like giving preferential treatment for like high level players to have mm -hmm. like pre-sale you know can you get a pre-sale window at the challenger player we're working out all of those those logistics right now um, but the vision is that we want to, over the course of three days, we'll have 512 players who who have, like, signed up, gotten themselves to Vegas to, like, compete in this massive tournament. Over three days, we will get down to one player only three weeks into a brand new set. Wow. All right, I want, I want Milk's reactions right now. He's kind of been he mouth the gate okay, looking honestly, on. Honestly, I think that's, like, too many people for a three-day event. Because, like, I guess that's, it's, it's cool and it's fun, but... For like the competitors, competitive, more competitive side than me, I guess it's like three days, 500 people. It's gonna be like a very high variance. Yeah. We, we, I, I, I think that that's like fair. Um, I do think like part of the vision for the, the reason we have that many competitors is I think that the storytelling of the event will have a little bit of that, like who did, who came up through the ranks, um, you know, kind of, uh, but it is definitely like a much, it, there is definitely more variance in that type of format. I think from the get-go, we've talked about this as like, we want to be sure that we're building something that isn't just like competing with a set championship to prove who has mastered the set. Um, so I think instead, this is like way more, you've had your hands on the set for just like a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And what have you picked up? Are you able to bring like a new meta to the set on your own to the event? And are you able to like capture and adapt to like what's played in this massive field? But, but we'll play like over 300 games in just uh, uh, just those three days. That's pretty do you, do wild. You, do you know where you're doing it, Sherm? Yes. We are doing this at the MGM Grand Conference Center um, in, a, in a massive ballroom uh, wow. over the course of three days. We'll have a ton of like TFT set up, so it won't just be like rows of PCs. It will be like, here's your table of eight, and you will get to sit with the other people uh, in your lobby and sort of uh kind of so it's kind of like being there. at a poker table like you won't be uh, yeah that's cool. uh, i actually really like this event because it's actually like, cool it's basically like tft con where everyone just meets with each other and like yes. just has fun it's like yeah not, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. like that serious right even if you don't even if you don't want to play in yeah. the tournament you're gonna want to be there all your friends are gonna be there so it's just like yes. TFT con to meet all your friends and just have yes. a good time so, so let's let's talk about like maybe I I love hearing conversation around the summit and sort of what that did for the competitive community because like the summit took so many I think Bryce and Froden have both talked about this like need for like novelty as an example something that is different that creates like a different experience but also is like a great entry point for like how to get involved and like excited about the scene and I think that the this event definitely has that sort of that opportunity yeah. to be this thing where you're like. I'm following because my favorite player managed to actually compete on LAN or like, oh my God, like all of these people are going to be out there. I think it can also 
bring in a lot of the TFT adjacent players that like play a lot of TFT, but it's yes. not necessarily the thing that they like do 24, live and breathe 24 seven. So I think it does a great job in really like celebrating and bringing together the entire TFT community. That's great. I, I actually think, I think a lot of people would actually want to go to this because like yes. over summit, a lot of people paid for like their own flight and like hotel, just to, like hang out with people. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I don't know. Also TFT people, a lot of them are like, 25 or 30, so everyone has like money, I guess, to go to Vegas. And it's basically a TFT con <laughs> where everyone just meets up each other and has fun. So I actually really like this. Yeah. Vegas yeah. is not an accident in terms of. Yeah. We go to Vegas a lot. It's so much the gamble. It's, it's, it's even more, it's not the gamble. It's just the like the built in entertainment of like the yeah. whole city, no matter what you choose to do. Um, so it really does. It's like a great place to actually host this this type of event. And so I would say it's super experimental for Riot. Like Riot has never run an open bracket event like this. Yeah, um, and also, so it's also definitely paid entry from that's new as well. Yeah, paid entry. You know the entry fee yet? We're we're not quite ready to talk details about okay. oh, hired a better. <laughs> what was that? Hired a better. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read no five and told people that will sign up to this. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Look, I, I think that I think that our hope is definitely that like, you know, we release passes and then yes. they're gone, and then we can move on to focusing on the event, and we're not spending a bunch of time right recruiting about people. how to market. Yeah, so there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of like, there's, I don't want to talk about price because we're still nailing that down, actually, like getting ready to do some research and better understand like what the right price point is and factoring in the differences all around the world to, to figure that out. Um, we do want this to be a global event. So, um, you know, while, while because of its location in North America, it probably means there's a lot of NA players where it's more accessible this time around. Um, and as we like, our hope is that in the future this is like a very successful event and it could go elsewhere in the world but for now we're definitely like it's very experimental for riot want to try something out that's not what players are used to from riot wow wow i mean that's hopefully it does go well because then you know I'm, I'm getting a little bit of magic the like t magic pro tour vibes where it's like the set launches big promotional event and maybe goes on tour that'd be really really cool did, did we talk about prize pool is there is there something that kind of you already established as a baseline no, no, I think it's also in that camp of like, okay. we want to figure out entry yeah, yeah. costs. Can, I think, can you say, think if you're, can you say if you're th considering the notion of Riot adding to the prize pool, right? Is, the, is, is, your, is your anticipation that the entire prize pool comes from the entry fees or is it supplemented in some way? No, I think, I think that we're, we're expecting to supplement some, okay. some amount of it and like figuring out how we, we want to make sure that it does feel like you're putting something in and getting something out in like some regard. Um, and then I also think like supplementing even like what's included in your, um, your entry fee, like, what are you getting that you're like guaranteed to walk away with? Um, I think like our hope is just in general for this event to be something that like players walk away with like, yes, like a, a, a slew of incredible memories, similar to what summit did for so many players of just like being the thing that they will always remember, um, within their, their time in TFT. And then also like being able to walk away with like saying, you were, you placed top 256 or like the, you, you know, just making it through the first round for, for half the players in the, mm. in the field is going to be like this big feat. Being able to celebrate each of those 
milestones along the tournament is uh, is going to be a, a a big goal of ours in the way that we actually build it out. Can you can you say if staking is on the table? This is a topic that came up a few months ago in TFT, right? It's an interesting for those of you who aren't familiar. The oh, idea wow. of staking is basically. Uh, getting action from a player so in, in a poker tournament they would you would front a portion of their buy and you'd be therefore entitled to a certain portion of their rewards is that something that's on the table thinking about what's the current status there yeah i mean i think i think it depends on like the framing i think like as an example a team picking up a player and footing the bill for a player yeah. to compete if they want to say if part of that yeah. that team agreement happens to be that like they keep the prize pool which yep. is like been in you 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 probably know that's like that's always a leverage or a negotiation point uh i don't think it's actioned on very often but like it's been on the table uh, it's actioned on so, a lot in dota specifically outside of dota every dota player negotiates like they're gonna win the international so you really oh. care about those prize <laughs> percentages yeah so no. um i think that that's like like reasonable i also think we want to like release tickets and everything early enough that like if a streamer wants to like set their goal of like what their like donations and everything are going to less mm -hmm. staking but more just like being able to say like hey you're helping fund my trip to to vegas uh for the event so um you know there's there's probably like i don't want to get super narrow there's probably versions of staking that are like bad and like not not on the table and then there's there's definitely versions of this that are like in spirit that are fine all right milk i i want to hear some questions from you as well get it all out oh i don't know i mean i'm actually like really excited for this because i feel like it's more like a for fun event right because five or twelve I, people was summit for fun in my opinion yes okay yeah yeah it was, it was for sure for fun okay. but like five or twelve people three days in tft especially that that means you're probably not going to play too many games and it's going to be like really fast if you want to do it in three days with that many people all like in real life. Yeah, I think I think our hope is definitely that like players look at the final lobby and say that this is one of the the most competitive lobbies that we will see globally in in set 10. Um, but I think like, yeah, I think however players want to like choose to classify it, we're definitely attempting to like make the stakes feel valuable enough that also like high level players and like have an entryway to make sure that the competition is very high level um and so there's there's some shortcuts to get through 512 players in in uh in in three days absolutely um but like our emphasis is making sure that like this is this is still a com top competitive event at the end of the day even if it's not like the level of competition you might see at a set championship which i think is like we currently go through months and months of competition to establish the level that's happening there. Um, and so it's definitely taking a, a different approach. And that's not changing, right? I, I'm, th I'm guessing this is completely isolated. It's its own separate event. There's no points or qualification. And then set championship, that's staying. It's going to be its own or separate system from what you're describing. Yeah, I think set, set champ like nothing is go happening to set nine. We're still going to have our set nine championship. Set 10 and beyond with the evolution to three sets a year, like we're still in that like conversation of what does the calendar look like. Okay. There are some challenges with like the, the the set 10 set as an example because of it having a hol like the holidays right in the middle there. Sure. And then we come back to like just a short amount of time before the, the set is over. So we're still figuring out exactly how competition for the rest of set 10 
is going to look, but like the rest, yes, like set championships are, are here. They're not necessarily going anywhere. And we're, we're just still, I don't want to commit to anything on like, we're figuring out how 2024 is going to work as a whole, um, like with the global ecosystem in mind. One of the cool things with the change from the 0.5 sets to no 0.5 sets that doesn't get talked about a lot is that it gives you an opportunity to recalibrate the whole competitive calendar, right? Because you had a version of it yeah. that you would, that we had essentially kind of started to hone in on in the 0.5 version, and this is different. And, you know, to be honest, I think anyone who is anyone who's watched a lot of competitive TFT for the last two years and watched the summit would say that summits, if not their very favorite event, it's among. Part of that is because it was special for sure. Part of that's also because it was very different from what else that exists out yep, there. So yep, yep, yep. it's exciting from from my perspective. I'm just excited to see you can continue to experiment. Like I'm really excited about this format. I think it's going to be super fun. I agree with Milk that if you think of the summit as for fun, this is going to probably lean in that direction. But the summit was for fun, but like. That final lobby was really good. Yeah. It was super competitive. The team that won was two outstanding players, right? And and so I, you know, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, I think, if you get the right people in the room. You know, the tough thing, I don't know how, probably over 200 people competing in a regional championship to qualify for it for, you know, their worlds, right? The world spot for whatever the region is. If you could somehow airdrop all 200 of them into Vegas for this event, we could guarantee the event is really good no matter who else signs up, right? But the question is how many of the best players can we actually get to go to Vegas? Um, sure, I'm, I, but like if I think we'll get a, I think we'll get a lot, basically a lot of them from NA, and I'll be really curious to see how it goes for other. We we already go to there for fun. Yeah, today. we're going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we literally yeah. meet up there, like for fun. So we're just gonna yeah. go anyways. That's yeah. Right. Also, sure. I just want to say like I think this will like with 512 slots. I think this will motivate a lot of like the middle yes. packs, like the GM. Like you know, a lot of people said a masters G, like masters don't know, they don't like they don't care enough to get better. But like, if you can go to like an event that's like super fun, mm -hmm. like like you know, you say maybe like sell the passes faster to like challenger players, so like when people that don't even play the game can just like buy it or something. It'd be like really fun for like people to like have motivation to grind to GM or like to challenger. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's like the um, like that's the next big time that you'll hear from us is like on this event is like talking more about like what the registration and everything is going to look like. Um, and I think in the, in the meantime, it's definitely like your set rank, your set nine rank will, will matter. Even going seeding into the event, we'll, we'll use your set oh, nine rank. Oh, wait, wait, uh, wait, set nine end rank or? Uh, well, uh, uh, going into the event, we'll set nine end rank. Uh, oh, we'll probably we're, snapshot we're, like, somewhere. Yeah, 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 exactly. We'll, we'll probably, communicate probably snapshot like two weeks before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They're trying to play PvE. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what about, what about the four yeah, fun yeah, patch? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to snapshot on like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Big Bang yeah. Galaxy. Oh, you geez. could actually you could actually just snapshot on the final day of the World Championships. Not a bad way of doing it, and just saying like, "Hey, when Worlds ends, that's don't make, when." Make them watch, I man. Think, don't make I think them play. As long as we communicate it, I think as long as we communicate, yeah, yeah, it, make, in the, 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 that's everybody will will take their cues from that. Yeah, yeah. All right, really exciting stuff. We'd love to stay here forever talking about it but i'm just gonna ask uh the next question which is when do you think we'll be able to hear more and how will we hear more because it is one thing i also gotta say sherm this is probably actually going back to a previous topic which is i feel like the communication the the advertising the messaging is really hard to find i feel like if, if anything it's not a, it's not even really that big of a joke to say that i find most of it from like mort dogs twitter or like random community members totally i think like um, expect to find a lot of it on the Teamfight Tactics website, like news and updates on this. 
um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be vocal around like our social channels as we, as we reveal more, more details, expect like end of summer as like the next, uh, as the next checkpoint on this. Um, but you know, I think we're really excited to, uh, to kind of like get, get details out there. And, and, you know, I think for the most part, um, I do expect folks like you all in this room and more, no one's going to be shy about talking about this information. We're going to make sure everybody has it to the best of our ability um, so that, that everybody can also serve as a, as a great uh, force multiplier of our, of our reach on this. So we want to make sure everyone has the details and nothing feels like it's, uh, it's being missed, but I do expect the commit, the, the, the core competitive community to be all over this announcement within like the first 36 hours of this room going out. <laughs> yeah. That is dope. That is dope. All right. Well, I, I'm out of bullets. Bryce, Milk, any final questions before we wrap this up? Oh, no. Go more it. leaks, for like, I don't know, future lands for regionals, future leaks for oh, Summit for two. Worlds. Summit 2 confirmers. Oh, also, like, any team formats, because, like, I'm down to do two of these events a year. Also, one for solo, one for team event as well. You know, any more leaks. Also, any like, play, like, I, player number leaks for TFT? I, th Ryan I think like <laughs> I think uh, I think all I'll say is like let's this is a big opportunity to help like chart the 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 course of the future of TFT. I okay. think we're going to take a ton of learnings from this and sort of like evolve a lot of our strategy based on what we learned from here. We have really high hopes for it. We also have some other cool stuff in the pipeline that hopefully at some point I'll be able to to talk about. Uh, but like, I hope this, you know, my, my hope is that this event and this announcement is sort of a, a, a signal of the direction. Like Riot is really invested in TFT. They really want to help evolve, continue to evolve the scene. Um, the game's really healthy and vibrant and we want to like continue to, to hey. invest and grow that community. I uh, hear that milk. The, the scene is vibrant and healthy. Is that satisfy you? Sure, I'll allow it. <laughs> sure, can, you talk, can you talk about the size of the TFT team? How big is it today and how big is it? Was it like a year ago and how big was it two years ago, roughly? I, I really don't want to quote it. I think the TFT team, the only reason is like TFT is like a really unique development model that is not replicated any on any other game at, at Riot at this scale. We've kind of like been able to grow all around the world like the number of people that are working on it. And so there's a lot of like, you know, we have a team in China that's helping build the game. We have folks like just in so many different offices that like the number is not like a concrete number like it would normally be of just like, here's how many people are in LA working on a game. But, but in my time, like I think the best indication is obviously this idea of like, we built enough people to start working on multiple sets at the yeah. same time. Uh, that's a big piece of the investment. And the cool thing about uh, set 10 is it'll be the first set to kind of come out with that like framework in mind. So I'm also hoping for a very balanced uh, launch patch because uh, it'll be the, the longest Ooh. set we've ever, we've ever had. Um, so I think like the, the team has done nothing but grow. Um, and I think it's like, um, I think the cool thing about TFT even just culturally is it's in, internally at Riot, especially among leadership, is like so many people at, at Riot play TFT. It is the game uh, easiest for like to work into to the, the like, John Needham wakes up every morning and plays mm -hmm. TFT as an example. My one-on-ones with him always start with talking about like what comps we're both playing right now. I think that <laughs> like game knowledge and, and like game passion um, in leadership has also helped 
uh, drive a lot of excitement for like how do we invest and continue to grow TFT. Awesome, awesome. Well, that gets me really excited for set ten. We've been talking about it. I'm not sure how much you're aware, but basically everyone's saying set ten is going to be the best set ever. Not that set nine is going to be bad. It's just that everyone knows that set nine is going to be great. But set ten is going to be the best set ever. <laughs> I think set nine is going to be also awesome. I just played it for the first time the other day. Oh, uh, I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. excited. I'm pretty excited to, to dive in. All right. All right. Well, let's get some uh, final comments. So milk, Bryce, uh, we'll start with milk and then we'll go to Bryce. Right, I'm actually really excited for set 10 because I think the biggest problem with TFT was like the half sets. And with this event, like I'm also really happy because I think there's a, actually, I don't know if people from Asia are going to be able to afford the plane ticket over. But it's really cool for NA players, I guess. And I'm actually just really excited for the future of TFT with like the new budgets for everything and like it being four months and just like everything in general for TFT. Awesome, awesome. Bryce. I am so excited about this event. I, this is, I, I think the summit tested a whole bunch of things. This is testing a whole bunch of completely different things, but it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a huge success. I can't wait to uh, find my way there, hopefully. And yeah, sure. Thanks. This was this was a real treat, man. Thanks for uh, coming on coming on the podcast, talking a little bit about your background and uh, giving us the opportunity to kind of talk about and react to this news in real time. Um, it's a uh, it's not something that when when we when Dan and I talked about launching the podcast, I didn't think we'd be here, but I'm really happy to be yeah. here. It's, uh, it's actually uh, sort of an honor to like be part of the you know conversation around what's w the bright future of TFT and to see you guys do more cool stuff in the future yep and i think bryce summed up really well thank you so much to riot and of course michael sherman for hopping onto this podcast i'm sure if you have follow-up questions we put his handle right there maybe you can ask some clarifying details to some people who are really curious because i know there's going to be many excited fans not just about what's happening now with the imminent launch of set nine as well as uh set 10 but also the future that you describe right of learning from this and moving forward. This has been Don't Talk If You Don't Know, episode 25, the special presentation of the future of TFC Esports. Make sure to check out all of our channels, anchor.fm slash DTIYDK or twitter.com slash DTIYDK show. From Frodan, Bryce, Milk, and Sherm, thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys next time for more TFT action. Goodbye.